The winemakers are up next, but first, check out this other great show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Destination Eat Drink. I'm Brent Peterson from Destination Eat Drink, the travel podcast for foodies. This week, we've got Lizzie Collingham, author and food historian, talking about stealing tea from China, high wine, and curry made from iguana. Download Destination Eat Drink today on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week. Welcome, everybody. Uh, third virtual tasting for the uh, winemakers podcast. Uh, the question was just uh, brought up, where's John? Um, you know, John had another operation, what, about a week and a half ago, Sam? Yeah, something like that. Uh, on his knee. They took out, I don't know, they took out a piece out of his knee that had been floating around. No, and no, so... I think this was the whole replacement. Uh, oh, this okay. Was the, this, was the big, this was the granddaddy. Oh, okay. So, um, he, he's, so he's taken some time uh, uh, to, to recover. I know he's saying he's in a lot of pain. He, he can't sit still and he can't move in either way that well. So, um, and Brian had yeah, the, um, the, the, I, some family duties. Go ahead, Sam. Oh, no, it just means you got the, you got the B team tonight. Right. Just me and, exactly. me and Bart. The Ramblers. Second stringers. The Ramblers. Um, all right, so I guess it's up to me, so I'll get started. Um, uh, another crazy week here in California. Um, we are starting to see for all you guys, we are starting to see some restaurants have moved tables out on the sidewalks, um, into alleyways here in Sonoma. Uh, more and more places are opening and rumor is it that starting tomorrow or Monday, they're going to let restaurants start serving food inside. So that's all very encouraging. It's definitely busy around the square, right, Sam? I mean, there's cars um, parked uh, around. It's uh... um, so 2012 Chenin Blanc. I'm sure when some of you guys saw it, you're probably like wondering what the hell's going on. Um, we only had we had I had about six or seven cases of this. Um, I actually have no more. Actually, I say that. I have like six bottles of the 14, Shannon. But I had the six cases of this. Um, uh, tasted it around with a few people. Um, and, you know, we talked about this in the past. I'm, I'm getting low on wines. And without trying to ship you guys barrel samples of the, the other Shannon, we, we thought we'd give this a try. Um, and I'd really like to hear what you guys think about it. You know, it is, a, it is an older uh, white wine. It's, it's showing some age. Um, I think it's showing some really graceful age, um, showing some more classic French um, descriptors for Chenin Blanc as opposed to things made from, you know, California sunshine. Um, uh, but I think it's still very much alive. Um, uh, my experience has been that it um, stays alive for tonight, uh, tomorrow. It, it may or may not be there. Um, it all kind of depends on your own style, what you like. 
I think the biggest thing about this wine is this is this is from Clarksburg. So this is a completely different vineyard um, and growing area from uh, from from where we were in where 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 we are in, up in Mendocino. And probably the biggest difference is is quite frankly the soil structure, um, or I should say the the riverbed structure. Um, this vineyard is actually probably below. Um, uh, below or at uh, sea level because it's grown out in the Sacramento Delta um, and uh, it has yeah will levees. you will you back up a little bit Bart yeah Bart yes sir back up just like oh. describe kind of Clarksburg and the, no no not <laughs> yes a little further a little further a little further uh, just talk like Get us to Clarksburg, uh, wh where we're at, um, and no, you know, what it's, what it's like. Describe thing, yeah. Clarksburg a little bit. Yeah. So Clarksburg would be um, in between Sacramento and Lodi. And Robert French, please yeah. um, feel free to uh, to cut me off here. You're you're from over in that area. If I say anything wrong, clear, clarify me, please. Um, Clarksburg do. is Clarksburg is south of Sacramento, north of Lodi. Um, so it's a it's definitely a warm growing area. Um, uh, 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 it does get some cooling influence when the uh, fog comes in the San Francisco Bay and does help cool it down at night, um, but nothing like what we get here uh, in Sonoma from it. Um, uh, the the Sacramento Delta, I think it's 1,200 miles of waterways that is all constructed. Um, uh, waterways and then farming islands in between. Um, there's a lot of uh, very, very old vineyards out in the Lodi area. Uh, Clarksburg, north of it, um, it's more diverse farming. There's a lot of grapes, but there's also um, a huge amount of tomatoes and corn and quite frankly, whatever is profitable that the farming operations are looking to, uh, to work in their fields. Uh, a lot of uh, safflower oil, I believe, comes out of that area. Um, there's a lot of great bars in the Delta. Uh, so um, my first experience was as a kid, we used to go over and go boating. But in my adult life, when I worked at Kenwood, we used to go and we used to buy quite a bit of grapes over in the Delta. And it was always every year, there was a year where the whole crew, a day when the whole crew came over and we'd go out to lunch and breakfast and dinner. And then we'd usually ride a tomato harvester and look at vineyards and drink a lot, quite frankly. Um, and it was always a lot of fun, and there's a lot of real characters over there. And so when I started making Shannon and thinking that I couldn't find any here in the North Coast, I went over there and I found a grower that Kenwood used to buy from. The gentleman's name was Fritz Reamer, and his uh, Fritz died in about, I think he died in 97 or 98, um, and his son took over the farming. Um, so I bought the grapes from him. Um, and it makes a really wonderful wine. It's, um, it, it's, it's more just kind of acid and, and citrus based as far as flavor profiles, a little more one dimensional. Um, but I think over some time you start to get some more of the classic, um, you know, honey, apricot. Um, in this case, uh, Terry tried it and Brian um, paired it with something that was kind of sherry based um, because it does have that aged white wine character to it. Um, anybody have any thoughts on it or want to comment? There's no wrong answers. And you can even say, it's not for me. I don't like it. That might get you a credit on the next Chenin Blanc release. 
<laughs> it's funny you said sherry because that's what I was. I couldn't figure out what it was, and as soon as you said sherry, I went, "Oh, that's it." Yeah. Cut sherry. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's got a you know slightly oxidative thing starting to happen. Um, you know, the time that I, the night that I tasted this. Whenever that was, time has no meaning anymore. Um, you know, a few weeks ago, Bart, um, I I had it much colder. Um, you know, it was it was fridge temp as opposed to more like cellar temp. Um, cellar temp. I think your comment earlier that it's it's almost kind of brings out a little bit more of of the Loire Valley Chenin Blanc flavors yeah. out of it it's got a little it's more it's a little more of that old like, world yeah a little of that like it's it's not straw or hay but it's almost sort of like you know straw or hay that's a little wet um yeah. which i wet totally wool. dig you know that wet woolly exactly um not something that you get in very many california chenin blancs that's for sure so i mean this was really you know a chance to share it with you guys and um and and uh and and give you a chance to see what what's going on or what we were doing and a little insight to it um so i, I hope you enjoyed it um oh i have to remember to read these uh read the read questions the comments yeah I, well while you're talking about your wine i can read the questions and one of us can Fine. then only one of us is distracted uh, right. <laughs> now i'm just so, gonna say it was uh, it's nice to drink an old white wine you don't have that opportunity all that often. so it was a uh, i'm glad you uh, included it thanks mm -hmm. thanks yeah, it's funny. I never drank old white wines. I mean, when I when I worked at Kenwood, it just wasn't the company culture. We we drank Sauvignon Blanc, quite frankly, and we drank the the newest release. And um, when I started working for the Benzigers, we had a tasting group, and they would pull out these old white Burgundies and these old um, Loire Chenins uh, that I get to taste, and they, they were just mind boggling, and, and really kind of built that that um that love for those wines unfortunately they're usually way out of my price range so yeah it's good to drink those uh on the benziger's dime yeah well and then the other thing is by now i could have bought them and they'd be showing some nice age but i just don't sit on much very much wine i just that's why i rely on your cellar sam well now that it's i'm telling you now that it's organized i'm going to drink way more wine out of it like now that I know where it is and what I have, when it was just random boxes everywhere, you know, it just was kind of gone. So this is a, it's a dangerous thing, which means I get to buy more, right? Um, so two questions that have come out of the, the it is 100% Chenin Blanc, I believe. It is. Uh, but and will you talk a little bit more about the sort of the Clarksburg growing region and what you know about the history out there? And, you know, it, it is... You know, probably at one time it was a place where there was a lot of heritage vines, but it's, I would think, a place where it's a little bit more of commodity agriculture. It, it's, it's actually much more bills. of a, yeah, it's much more of a commodity agriculture growing area. Um, and everything that's out there is really grown. Well, at the time I was doing this, it was very much just grown for very large production. Um, I... Uh, I didn't really get a chance to decide when this was picked. They would usually go through and mechanically harvest it um, two different times uh, during the year. Some growers liked it very, very unripe, and some people wanted it overripe. And I usually went on, on the early side. I did look back at my notes, and this was picked at about 19.5% um, uh, sugar. Um, and then when it was in the tank, it hit 20 
Um, so it's only a 12 and a half percent alcohol wine. Um, and it had this screaming acid in it that I think you can still taste. It's still um, it's probably a lot of what's uh, keeping the wine alive. Um, very, very, very deep soils. Um, uh, and, and again, it's, it's river bottom, you know, it's, they're very, very rich. Um, they have a hard time controlling vigor in the vineyard. Um, and quite frankly, Shannon wants to grow 10 tons of the acre. Um, and in those locations, they probably get 10 to 12 tons of the acre. So I know there was a question about, um, you know, the complexity thing. Uh, I, I would say that, um, this, so this is the, this is the less complex wine. This is why I, I moved to Mendocino County um, and why we're going to do hopefully some Kenwood, some Sonoma Valley Shannon this year for another kind of flavor profile. Um, it would be fun to go back and revisit some Clarksburg fruit here eventually. Um, but right now we're going to stay focused over here. Um, this wine was all barrel fermented uh, in old barrels um, and then left to age uh, only about eight months and bottled before harvest of uh, before the next harvest. And again, was done a, a natural fermentation. And then this wine did not go through ML. So we've tasted the 16. Um, which that wine, a third of it went through ML, and that kind of associates some of the richness that that wine has in comparison to this. Had this wine gone through ML, um, it would be a totally different wine, quite frankly, probably right now. And I don't know if that would be for the better or the worse, necessarily. Um, at the time, I believed that it had to be non-ML, because I wanted it just to be that rip-your-face-off acid and... Um, and, and fruit, but um, as time went on, I realized I wanted more complexity. So question is, uh, will you describe or explain what malactic fermentation is and just kind of, especially sure. in context of a, of a white wine, kind of leads into the, the Sauvignon Blanc as well. Um, yeah, so, so what I, I think probably the best explanation I ever had for malactic was um, one of the first things I learned at the June JC when I took some classes is that um, uh, wine grapes or grapes, wine grapes are naturally high in malic acid. Uh, malic acid is what you find in like a Pippin or a Granny Smith apple, just that really, really tart flavor. And, um, it's actually a bacteria we refer to as a fermentation, but there's a secondary fermentation that you can put a white wine through where you convert that malic acid, I'm sorry, that lactic acid, that malic acid to lactic acid once again malic acid from the apple to lactic acid which is like butter or cheese um you know the biggest example of that is the difference between a non-ml ml malolactic chardonnay and a malolactic chardonnay it's that richness that creaminess you know there are some wineries that you literally open that bottle and it's like is this a stick of butter um and that's that's a that's diacetyl which is a you know, a derivative of um, ML. Um, all red wines go through ML. Not all white wines go through ML. Sauvignon Blanc here in California, at least traditionally, does not go through ML because you're trying to have that crispness. Uh, New Zealand Sauvignon Blancs, I think very few, if any, probably go through ML. Does that answer the question? Yes, no, thumbs up. Let's see. Um, and, I, and actually, so, um, Harold and, and Fia had a comment about just sort of the nose being deceiving and thinking it's bigger and richer. And I, I think that 
what you're getting from that is that little bit of oxidation on the nose, but because it was, uh, you know, the, the acidity was retained through it, it keeps it light and fresh and, and crisp on the palate. Um, and that's, you know, again, that's kind of one of the things about getting to dig into an, an older white wine, which again, most people never really either have the time or the patience or the access, you know, access to, um, to, you know, get those really, you know, this wine is, I would venture, I didn't try it when it was, you know, just released part, but I guess this is probably more complex now because of those elements kind of building and it would have been, um, you know, when it, when it was first released. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. When it was first released, people would ask what to, you know, what to serve it with. And I was always just, you know, um, you know, any sort of salad that was citrus based um, or oysters, you know, raw oysters, barbecued oysters, any sort of oysters. Um, just because I thought the, the flavor profiles and the acid structure um, really complemented them. Do the goat cheese. Now I would say it'd be interesting to have this with some cheese. Yeah, um, I got, I have uh, some tr actually truffled cheese from Ovello over here that we were, ran out and grabbed. Uh, Paul went out and grabbed. Paul's on here somewhere. Um, and that's, that's working really well. Kind of actually when you have a little bit of the sort of like funky cheese, it almost highlights the crispness and the acidity that, you know, that combination it makes you real, you know, you wouldn't think eight year old Clarksburg Chenin Blanc, um, yeah. you know, tastes much fresher. Uh, and then, so Robert French is asking, how would you control for ML? Uh, you want to dig into a little bit of the winemaker yeah. on that? Sure. Yeah, so do something so and what, then you what you would do is you, um, once Malactic typically doesn't start easy. Um, large wineries, typically what you would do is you would start, you would make an ML starter. You would actually get the bacteria and start to build it up like you build up a yeast structure and then add it to it. You typically don't want to add the ML till the primary fermentation, the, yeast, the alcohol fermentation is basically over um, or very close because you want to maybe use some of the temperature that you have um, to help build it. Um, but uh, a way to stop it is once it's done with the alcohol fermentation, you just add some sulfur to it. And because ML will not um, go through its, um, its change, its fermentation in the presence of a certain amount of sulfur. Um, uh, so that's, that's the way you could control it. The other thing you can do is you can filter it. And so on really young wines, that's something that's going to bottle right away. You can filter out anything that would allow the ML to um, to, uh, uh, to, to go through the process. Um, now, you know, I've said in the past that I don't add a culture to go through ML. I let them go through, you know, quote unquote, naturally. Um, it's not really naturally because um, there's ML culture, like there's yeast culture in the air, it's everywhere. It's a matter of how fast it goes through. And what I've been taught and, and learned from experiences, like in Burgundy, they're not, they don't inoculate for ML either. They don't add it. They let it go through on its own. And the danger there is that you don't have sulfur in it. Um, but as long as you keep your barrels topped and they're kept at a good temperature, there should be no problem. There shouldn't be any sort of you know, bad bacteria to grow in the wine. So um, you're just trying to keep it from oxidizing. And the feeling is, is that the, the ML integrates better with the, the wine just becomes more integrated without adding the, the um, metabol or the, the cultured yeast. 
And the other thing is there's different types of ML and some of them are higher in diacetyl, higher in that butter content and stuff. And I just find by letting them go through and wanting to be hands off, just they go through on their own. Once you get to about March and the cellar starts to warm up, the earth is, the earth is you know, if we were looking at the biodynamic calendar, um, uh, uh, everything's coming out of the earth, the energy is coming up. The cellar warms up. ML usually starts and completes by by you know this time. And in fact, just uh, a week and a half ago, I added sulfur to all of my 2019s for the first time. So you, you pulled out just, the barrel sample for the tasting and then added some sulfur. Right. That's exactly right. <laughs> or you add the sulfur and then you yeah no we didn't do that. So okay, anybody else? Any questions? Let's talk Sauvignon Blanc. I dig this wine. So definitely, you know, after the, for the three-peat going no rones, we did what? Every, everything 16,600 that we poured previously were, were all rones. Um, but it's nice to, to kind of break that up a little bit. Um, Sauvignon Blanc is something that we don't do every year, um, but it's, it's always a collaboration um between phil and eric bradley so this is an eric bradley made wine um i'm not at liberty to say exactly what vineyard that it comes from um but it's an eric bradley made wine so i think that most of the people who know who eric is on here are smart enough to figure out exactly where it comes from um Who's, where does he so work? this is i don't i don't know what you're talking about dan um <laughs> this is so this is moon mountain district so this is literally grown uh you know at about we can pull up that map from last night it's about 1800 feet it's at the the top of the mountain uh volcanic soil um so this is definitely not typical california sauvignon blanc it's you know, not, a place not clarksburg it's not it's definitely not clarksburg um it's about as far away from from clarksburg uh you know it probably gets about a tenth the the crop um right. has way more rocks um, but you know, when, when you get a wine, like a white wine from the top of the mountain, um, you can really start to zero in on what volcanic soil does for wine. Cause it's just with a white wine, it's right up there in front. Um, the other thing about this one, again, being, uh, uh, you know, a, a, something that Eric and Phil kind of play around with, um, That's these were not barreled this was in barrels was not bottled until july of 2018 late july of 2018 so you're talking almost almost 10 months in in neutral barrel um so this is you know one of the fun things when you get to do a, like a wine dinner with phil and eric and robert one of the wines that they'll pull out is called silex uh didier dagano from and that's you know that's what they were going for with this is that sort of style of, of Sauvignon Blanc, um, but from the Moon Mountain District. So it definitely, you know, has that volcanic soil, the way that, um, you know, in, in the Moon Mountain District, volcanic soil um, holds pH in a wine like, like no other soil type. Um, so we get, you know, really high acids, um, even when fruit is, is really ripe. 2017, um, you know, this is about as ripe a year as we've had around here in a long time. This is, you know, the super hot summer. This is, you know, harvested probably about a month before 
the fires hit. Um, so this is, you know, this is ripe, sunshine, hot year. But because of, you know, that the volcanic rock at the top of the mountain, um, you know, it was able to keep acidity, keep some crispness. And then you put it in eight months, you know, 10 months in barrel um, and really starts to bring out some, some of the funky. Um, so this is, this is a, a fun wine. Um, you know, not, again, not something that we make every year, um, but fun to, to bring out every once in a while. I, I, I love this wine. Um, I, I love the, uh, the texture of the wine and, and the complexity from the um, time and barrels. Um, you know, it, it's, it's not uh, just fruit. Um, there's, 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 uh, there's, te there's tension in this wine. Um, well, look who's in the background there. So I'm getting, I'm getting zoom bombed. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there you go. Um, he came for the snacks. Right. <laughs> that guy's creepy. Get him out of here. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> hey, Polly. The great. I got a, I got great. a ear button, so you, you can say whatever you want about him. You can't hear it. <laughs> yeah. The great Pablo Blanco. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is, this is a great wine. Now, so Sam, would, would this have been done? This, you said it was in neutral barrels and probably left on the fermentation leaves the whole 18 months, right? Yeah, totally. So this was, you know, in the caves at Repri, um, and, and not touched. I, I imagine that they added the sulfur leaves. in the, in the spring. Um, probably stir the leaves a little bit. I don't think they, I don't think it was stirred. I think they're stirred. Um, yeah, maybe a little bit. Maybe when they added, probably when they suffered it, would be my guess. Um, oh. Anybody have any questions? What I would say, Sam, is that it's uh, it's awesome. It would be really interesting to compare this side by side with a couple other bottles of Sav Blanc made by the same guy from roughly the same neighborhood. Yes. <laughs> and then to look at what you're doing at, is it 25 bucks a bottle? Uh, it, it is for the moment. Yeah. Don't, don't. Do now it. that you said it publicly, the price just went up, but. <laughs> uh, it's awesome. It's super crisp. I love it. It's summertime. It's 95 degrees here. This is, this is Gatorade. Yeah. yeah no, this is... Go ahead. Totally different. Um, 18 was, is probably much more in line with what you'd expect from California Sauvignon Blanc with the tropical fruit and, you know, didn't more stainless steel, not a, definitely not, you know, an extended barrel aging. Um, but it's fun to, fun to do this kind of thing every once in a while with a variety like this. And then the other thing that would change this because there are some, a couple other producers up on Moon Mountain using a little semion to go into their wines and, uh, you know, this being a hundred percent Sauvignon Blanc is what makes it so pure. It, it's it, 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 it's it's very uh, it's very focused. Yeah, there there is to. a little bit of the Muscat clone in here, but no right? Sauvignon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No Muscat clone. That's good. That's my great. And public television. No, this is um, pre charge eighty five for this. Yeah, but you know that Kevin that that bottle. There's a lot more goes into that bottle. <laughs> <laughs> and you got to pay for Neil and you got to pay for all, you know, we're on a tight ship around here. <laughs> right. A lot more.
all. And 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 and, and I, if I'm not right, doesn't the Napa Valley line go bring in Reprie and then go back out? Yeah, like exactly. It kind of comes down the ridge and goes around Reprie and then came in came in his petitioning so that we can make, get a little extension around his property. Too. Well, right. I mean, that wasn't done. They paid for that. They, you know. Oh, for wanted. sure. I was all part of the property deal. Right. The, uh, the the impulse buy that was reprieved. <laughs> Uh, so Stacy is asking about the mountain range. So yes, this is the the Moon Mountain District. Stacy is the Mayakamas Mountains um, that separates that separates Sonoma Valley and Napa Valley. And really, it, you know, the Mayakam the Moon Mountain District ends at the Napa County border at about twenty two hundred feet up there. So this is you know, just about uh, the top of the top. But you find what you do is you find these you know these little canyons and and ravines where it's a little bit cooler you have some cooler air um and you know a little more airflow often a little bit of a north face and um you can do sauvignon blanc in cab and, and zin country you know sam can you maybe talk a little bit about the master class that was on last night those are the people that don't know about it you know you can go on and watch it on youtube and um it's it was awesome it was really well done it, it was definitely a phil love fest um and and deservedly so because none of those people would have anything if it wasn't for phil katuri and and i mean that with the utmost respect so um maybe shout it out so people can watch it yeah this is this is worth um you know spending a little time with uh it's it's available on youtube it's from the venus media group so that's uh antonio galoni um, you know, one of the uh, one of the disciples of Robert Parker. You know, top 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 three or four wine critics um, and wine writers in the world right now. Um, and so this was an, an hour and a half deep dive into you know the the best of the best of the Moon Mountain District. We had um, Cayman, we had Reprie, we had Lassiter Syrah that, that Bart helped make in the middle of a natural disaster. Uh, we had uh, the only non-Filcaturi grown was the, uh, the Brian Weiss, the B-Wise uh, uh, Brian bottling um, and um, Stone Edge Farm Cabernet. Was that all of them? I think that was all of them. And then, oh yeah, yeah. 16600 uh, Simon's Vineyard, 16, 2016 Simon's. Uh, Simon's so it was, you know, uh, what's that? Simon's Glass House. Va Valley House. Valley House. Valley House. Yeah. So it's it's down in the 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 caldera below. Came. So is that what it is? That's the block is called Valley House. Yeah, that's the it's the block name. Well, they have there's a they have a house up on the hill. And then they own the whole slope down into the, into the bowl. And then there's another house down there that the house, the Valley house actually used to belong to Danny Glover um, for, and you know, that's when uh, we had planted, um, I guess we replanted it for Danny or um, when, when Danny owned it sort of in the, uh, in the field of dream. That was at uh, angels in the outfield in the angels in the outfield era, Danny Glover. Um, that property and actually that property um, was what kind of brought back brought Phil back to to the Moon Mountain Vineyard because it was one of the vineyards that didn't burn in in the 96 fire right so most of their vineyards in 96 needed cab 
and bought cab from from that vineyard um and all of a sudden the cab that they were buying from phil was performing better in the cellar than the cab that they were growing on the property and, and brought phil back into uh to the moon mountain vineyard and really sort of the kind of rebirth of the moon mountain district that comes out of the 96 fire kind of in my mind kind of anchored from from that property yeah but it was it was it was a, an hour and a half phil love fest i was sitting in the same room as it was kind of uncomfortable at times um <laughs> why was he but, doing uh, this <laughs> yeah exactly you know, over there and you know kind of like or, 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 like the, or the paul, paul and jasmine were patting him on the back yeah exactly well well paid back backpackers backpack um but it was it was pretty impressive um along with it all very different expressions of of the vineyard sites and winemaking styles and then you know you kind of threw in a wild card with the with uh trinity ridge syrah from lassiter but um definitely showed the moon mountain district to be you know, on par with the great Cabernet um, growing regions of the world. I mean, the world, not just um, our neighbors to the east. So, yeah, I mean, it, it was a great thing for Sonoma Valley in general. And um, hopefully and they'll was, do some more of these. And there was a ton of people, too. This was uh, 800 some odd people registered for it. I don't know. I, I couldn't see from Dan. Were you able to tell, like, how many people were logged in at once? No, I, they wouldn't let you see that. So, okay. Um, I, I was curious as well. That's a really big number. Um, yeah. Tasting kits they sold because they were those beforehand. I don't know if you can still get them, but it, it was six of the best bottles of wine you'll ever come across. Um, it, it was For a, a great price too. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, was, that's the thing is that it was a great price because you couldn't buy those six bottles for $600. Um, and, and a couple of them you probably couldn't even get. Not yeah, they did it as a consumer. Yeah, they did it as a Zoom webinar. Yeah. Right. Yep. Three hundred fifty people. I guess there was a bunch of people on here watching. Which thanks you guys for hanging out with uh, Sonoma Valley wines and and Katuri's two nights in a row. Uh, you probably get some sort of uh, some sort of purple star for that or something. <laughs> I, I it's more than just one of us. I know Burns was on there last night. Yeah, you got Burns. You got Roger Randall, the last sixteen six hundred tote bag on earth. Uh, make us shirts. Oh, we should. We should make some. Please. <laughs> the, the, the. You know what was that? Thing? The the pin you would get at Candlestick if you would stay through a to the right. end of an extra innings game. Yeah, we need we need some like the crowd of the winemakers or something. Right, right, right. Well, I mean, for those of you who've been to all three of these, and actually some of you have been to more than three of these, I think, right. Um, I mean, we've held three, but there were a couple showings of a couple of the early ones. So, you know, as I said, yeah, I think uh, Burns you, and Bixby glutton. have been to like six of them. Right. Gluttons for punishment. Do it, um, Jasmine will keep sending me wine. Exactly. <laughs> um, uh, go ahead. Oh, no, someone no, said that at the beginning, Antonio mentioned there was uh 350 people so yeah, that's, that's a lot awesome. of people that's a lot of people 
If, if Phil had actually known that there was that many people listening, he would have been stuttering and mumbling way more. So it was good that it was just, you know, him and, and all the people that he routinely, you know, asks for, for giant checks. Of, uh, so he's got, he wasn't, wasn't nervous talking in front of the, the 12 people on the camera. Right. The, the thing most fascinating to me, aside from trying all the different wines made by different guys, um, was the maps. Uh, yeah. And, and I think, you know, Antonio was talking about maybe making those available as prints. He'd make a fortune because um, the, the property is so diverse between the places, even though they're in the same neck of the woods, um, that it, it would be really fascinating to look at those side by side and see the altitudes and to know the geography and the topography of things. It, it was really cool. Yeah, the, the Venus maps are, um, are works of art, both, you know, from a, just a visual standpoint. But then, and he talked about it a little bit uh last night it, the back side of the map has this like historical and cultural and and all these like sort of uh you know writings about the properties too especially you know the the ones that he pinpoints so um yeah hopefully hopefully that map gets done and released um in time for you know the holidays this year um and and definitely uh, you know i i want one too kevin um i i spent i i basically when they Sort of did a premiere of the entire Sonoma Valley map last last spring. Um, I basically stole it and brought it to the tasting house for a few days before they came and tracked me down. Uh, just because it's you know this is um, the entire project is a huge undertaking. There's there's hundreds and hundreds of vineyards that they're including from you know tiny backyard uh, you know gopher you know and 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 to you know. What even guys. gopher run made it. Go for run made it. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> so here's, here's the funny thing I did is there was a period of time, everybody, where they had the map and they were trying to identify vineyards. And so they were asking anybody who like knew vineyards or like, you know, come identify them. And so we, I spent some time in the vintners and growers office and, and pointing to things and saying, I'm not so sure about this or I'm sure about this. And then I was taking pictures of it as it progressed on my phone. So I, I have all the pieces and you know, so I've put them together and yeah, I'm dying. Basically I'm dying for the map myself. Yeah. So. Hopefully we'll have them for sale in the tasting room. I'll have, I'm just going to get a order a hundred of them and, and send tubes out. you know, they're, uh, they're, I mean, they're going to be, yeah, I, I got you, Kevin. I see you. This is, so this is the thing that's totally distracting. I, I, I'm, all the zoom winemakers podcast, uh, tastings we've done. I was just on my phone, so I I didn't see all you guys. And like this is this is why you know I always had to sit. I'd always get made to sit in the front of the classroom, so I'd like actually pay attention to what's going on, as opposed to trying to talk to everybody in the back of the room. So this could be dangerous. <laughs> and I didn't. Or after that, we didn't hear about Moon Mountain, or just in general. Yeah. Um. Not really. I mean, Antonio is um, dude. kind of a weird dude. Um, he, he's, he's, he keeps things pretty close to the vest, um, you know, especially because he's a critic and, and everybody's kind of vying for his attention and, you know, sort of be in his good graces. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't overshare very much. Um, and, you know, he's like, he's, and he's also like one of these sort of polymath genius kind of guys, you know, he went to 
fancy music school. He speaks multiple languages. Um, so, you know, he, he, uh, he's hard to read and he's hard to get out more than exactly what he wants to share. Um, hopefully he listens to this and goes, no, I'm not. I love you, Sam. How about some 98s? Um, but we'll see this. Probably not going to happen. <laughs> um, so what do we do next, Bart? Should we do? I, I think the, we should do the your Zen first. Um, and just because it's going to be, it's going to be like this. And um, yeah, that's a okay. call. Okay. I think that's a good call. Um, so, so up next. We got roll with 2012 Estate. Yeah, 2012. 2012 Estates Infidel. Um, so this is the reason 16600 exists. Um, this is grown at my parents' property. The house I grew up in, the address there is 16600. Uh, if you want to plug it into your Google Maps while you're playing along, uh, 16600 Norbaum Road. Um, do you need the spelling, Kevin? N-O-R-R-B-O-M. Uh, I saw you work. I saw you trying to work it out in your head there. Um, nope, just the gate code, Sam. Just the gate code. The gate code used to be one, two, three, four. It used to be, yeah. It's, it has to be something that we can remember. So, and there's there's a lot of us with shoddy memories. Um, this is uh, 420. Yeah, 420. <laughs> except for late. 425. Um, <laughs> it's uh, this is, yeah, let me, I'm gonna actually pour the wine and stop talking for a second. Well, you haven't poured the wine yet. Yeah, I haven't poured the wine yet. So, 2012 was you know, that was almost like a softball year for winemakers. You know, we talk about um. And, and I mean that jokingly, there's never a softball year, but there were a lot of really good wines in 2012. Um, uh, classic um, kind of vintage uh, before the, or maybe the beginning of the drought, before the drought. First, um, first drought year. First drought. First, okay. first drought year. Um, uh, yeah, you know, a memorable year for wine in general. Yeah, um, I mean, my dad always talks about this being the easiest growing season of his career. Um, it's kind of one of those years where there was no extremes. Everything kind of moved along the way that it was supposed to um, and made some really beautiful ones. It was also a, a, until 2018, I think this was the largest vintage in the history of California. Um, it, was, it was a bountiful year. Um, you know, this was the most, the most of the estate Zinfandel that we ever made, we made 175 cases of this. And this, we you know, kind of timed it. The idea was, you know, we kind of increased our production a little bit uh, and had this upon the opening of the tasting room. Um, so, you know, released it in, in the, the summer, spring of, of 2015. Um, and it was, this was, you know, one of those magical years. I've found though, um, with some of the the twenty fifth or twenty twelves, is they kind of lack tension because of that. Because it was such an easy growing season, um, because you know everything everything went right. Um, a lot of those wines kind of lost their their mid palate. Um, there you go, and that's how you spell it too. Um, <laughs> um, 
I kind of have lost the mid palate a little bit, but um, you know, this one is holding together. And, and, you know, I think um, what I love about it is it, it shows Zinfandel as um, you know, in sort of its lighter side. Um, you know, it's yeah. not, it's not too over the top. It's, you know, great acidity, some great, some great pepper to it. Um, you know, plenty of, plenty juicy. Um, Paul's, Paul's our face model over there trying to, trying to sell oh. some 16600 masks. Um, <laughs> uh, but this is, and you know, this is, eight-year-old Zinfandel. Zinfandel is something that doesn't often get credit to be a wine, you know, as a wine that, um, you know, has, has age-worthiness. Um, and I think that this one is, you know, it's in a great spot and, and, and just getting better. Um, oh, and we, oh, now somebody can finally get this conversation moving and keep us on track. Brian, I've seen you in so long, man. We're getting a lot of boys. Wait, let's mute him. <laughs> Hi, Brian. Hey, guys. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah. Hey. Okay. It's here. Oh, are we all three months or something? Do you have one? Do you have you have you opened wine yet, Brian? Do you have wine in front of you? <laughs> no. Any wine just, at all? Just walked just walked in the door. This oh, well, is, thank uh, you. Thank you for Brian, joining us, yeah. Brian his dedication to the podcast that he would actually sit down and open up the computer before he opened the bottle of wine. Been drinking enough wine lately, man. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. We miss your graphics. Oh, Hey, what's up, Roger Randall? We want your graphics. <laughs> no, no one made any signs for you guys. No. <laughs> Come on, Brian. Oh, no. Sam, Sam and I run him solo. What do you think has right. been happening? We, we barely oh, got God. the Zoom link out in time. <laughs> yes, I saw that. I'm sure everyone cooked all four recipes this morning. Oh, we haven't even talked about the recipes. Fuck. <laughs> on brand, Sam, on brand. On brand. <laughs> oh, um, what did you pair with the wines that we've had so far, Brian? <laughs> um, gee. Uh, I'm going to have to pull them up, but... It's yeah. been a while. So, yeah, we, so, so let's uh, back to this wine just real quick. Sorry, yeah. um, Sam. You know, th it is true that people say Zinfandel doesn't age, but I would say that um, poorly made Zinfandels don't age. Um, you know, uh, Zins that have that are imbalanced, uh, that have acid, that don't have any residual sugar. Um, those wines, those wines age, and they also have to have enough alcohol. They got to have they got to have something to, you know, um, uh, you know, some of these, some of these hipster new, you know, natural, whatever you call, you know, very low alcohol, high acid zims. They're not going to age out because all is going to be left is 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 acid. Um, and this wine is, you know, incredibly well balanced and. Um, and it says really fourteen good. five on the label, but it's probably higher yeah. than that. Yeah, but I mean fourteen five. That's that's legit. Right. Yeah. And so if it's 14, eight or 15, you know, it's got acid that's in balance with it. It's delicious. But I would say and, it doesn't feel like that, Sam. I mean, you, right. you really definitely can see in some Zins that are between 14 and a half and 15 that you, you feel like you could, you could toss a match in and right. set fire to the thing. And you know, this is smooth. 
Well, and that it's a hundred percent because of, of the soil and because of the, the vineyard site. And, and again, you know, in the same way that, you know, it kind of shows through obviously different than, than Sauvignon Blanc, but being in volcanic soil, you know, I bet you this wine um, has, uh, you know, probably came in with the pH at three, seven, three, eight, certainly under four, um, you know, so it's got, it's got acidity. And when you have, you know, enough acid, but it's ripe fruit, um, you know, the balance and, and that smoothness and, and, you know, it's a sort of a wine that's, in, you know, it's congruous. Um, it comes from the vineyard. There's, there's, you know, you can't do that, especially with Zinfandel. Um, you can't do the tricks that you can do in a, vin in a winery and come up with something that, you know, has this kind of, of a chemistry um, and, and tastes good. You know, one of the sort of the... Hey, the, Sam, the, this, yeah. this is Jesse Woods. Can we ask Kathy with a K to, to mute her line? We're getting a lot of interruption over there. Yeah, absolutely. Thank and you. Maybe Bart can do it from his end, too. Yeah, fair. sorry about that. No worries. I, I, How's it going, I, Jesse? Nice to see you. Good to see you, Sam. Great wine. Loving it. Thank I'm you. wondering how Jesse identified that. That's pretty good. Well, yeah, fast on the draw here, Bart, even after eight glasses of wine or whatever we've had. Hey, man, everything's great. We're loving this number three. This is awesome, guys. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. And, yeah, this is also, to, I guess I should just finish up on the winemaking side that I never talk about um, because it's simple. You know, this is a, a native yeast fermentation, uh, and this was probably 18 months in, in neutral oak. Um, you know, we don't – Again, there isn't a lot that we need to do here um, to get it to where we want it to be. Um, you know, open top fermentation, um, you know, it's probably a two and a half, three week fermentation, a little bit of a cold soak, um, yeah. and just kind of let it do its thing. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm, we loved it when we released it, uh, and you know, we've been able to, we went back and started pouring it in the tasting house for a, for a few months before you know, we stopped doing that kind of thing for a while. Um, and it just like came back. We're, we're happy with having a little bit of it left. How much, how much do you think you have this still, Sam? Uh, I think we, we have about 25 cases left. Okay. Um, That's good. You know, it was, it was in, I think our very first Phil sent me shipment ever, which was, you know, a couple dozen people maybe. Um, and we poured it in the tasting room basically until the 13 was ready to release um, and ha didn't go back to it until, um, you know, like I said, I don't know, Brian, you probably remember. When did we put the the 12s in back on the menu? Maybe sometime late fall 2019. Um, That's about right. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, we opened the bottom and we're like, damn, we should, we should be pouring this because – um, you know, this is, again, this is why 16600 exists. Um, and it shows that, uh, you know, well, but are just getting better um, in the cellar and, and showing that sense of place that we're looking for. So, um, you know, really, really happy with this one um, eight years later. Yeah, I found the food pairing. Oh, good. Tell, talk to us, Brian. <laughs> This one is the cherry balsamic short ribs. Oh, man, that sounds really good. I know. I did something similar last night with um, pork tenderloin. I took dried cherries and then fresh sweet cherries and pureed them in the Vitamix with the, 
with that Stubbs uh, sweet heat barbecue sauce. Mm, yeah. I marinated the pork tenderloin in that and then cooked that on. The, it was so hot, didn't want to cook inside, so it was out on the grill. And uh, man, that was good. But this is you're gonna get similar things going on with cherry and uh, balsamic. That's yeah. really gonna showcase that wine. Talk about the temperature swing though. From yesterday, where it was 100 degrees here, to we got this cold wind blowing today. I think it like barely got in, barely scratched 80 this afternoon. Yeah. So we we dropped yeah. 20 degrees in 24 hours, and then it's gonna be it's gonna be like in the 60s over the weekend or something crazy. Yeah. yeah. I know. And did you see that they just opened up the beaches? Which is like, why didn't you do that three days ago? <laughs> that's that's why they didn't do it three days ago. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, exactly. it's just getting blown out around here. I mean, the wind is just, if you've got yeah. allergies around here, this is no bueno. Right, this is a, a rough a, a rough allergy day for sure. And so did you guys, uh, did you guys already, was this the last wine or if you guys? No, no, no. we're going to do, no, we're going to do. You're doing Bart's, Bart's, Bart's Infidel, okay. Yeah, yeah. So we started with the, um, we started with the Shannon, um, which. How was it? I don't know. How was it, everybody? You know, it, it's across you, America. Yeah. And, you know, Brian, you didn't get a chance to try it. And I, I mean, I think you and I tried it some months ago, um, but I, I never was able to get the wine to you. But um, well, that, that I, wasn't on you. That was on me. I came over and picked up um, Hanson vodka one day and Gloria Ferrer um, wine for the wife, um, but never, never came by and saw you guys. So that was my only venture out. Priorities. You know, well, the, Sam, the vodka was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, <laughs> um, and, you know, Sam, that's another reason we need to have Maya on the podcast, just so Brian can get a, even a better in at Gloria. He needs the hookup. Um, he needs yeah, the, the hook total hookup sure. with, with the, the, the head of, uh, yeah, right. the GM. Uh, my wife is fully supporting that family in these, in these, what do they say on those commercials, in these challenging times? <laughs> um, I think, yeah, she's she's a major stockholder. <laughs> and then we tasted the 17 Sauvignon Blanc, Brian, which tastes uh, outstanding. I know you've had that one. And what was it that you paired with that one yeah. again? Oh, uh, uh, hold on, I had everything up here. Sorry, the Chenin Blanc trying... we did with the roast. Ro that's all right. Yeah, the Chenin Blanc with the roasted chicken with the. Um, garlic sherry sauce which i thought mm. was really cool and then the um um the sauve blanc da, 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 with the um oh classic sole manier so yeah the oh, girl yeah. in the fig does flounder but I, I don't know if a lot of people can find flounder where they live so uh soul you, you know you can use petroli sole or something you guys can find you guys find flounder um um, so soles are good, but it's a classic dish with sort of the brown butter and capers and lemon and um, yeah, that'll just sing with that wine. Yeah, that'd have been really good. That was like the one thing that didn't make it into the girl in the fig to go uh, menus and I was really sad about that. Or maybe it was for a minute and then you like went away, but I love that dish. That's a great dish. Yeah, you know what? It's that thing. It's that um, there are some things that go really well to go and there's some things that don't. Right. Um, yeah, that's for and, sure. And and, well, I, and and I and I have to give the restaurants that were really thoughtful in that, like you know, they knew they knew what would go home well in a box or a container, and stayed away from those things that wouldn't. So, you know. Yeah. Well, some some stuff it's it's that you don't want to buy fish if you don't know how much you're going to sell because right. 
then you then you yeah. sit on it and you got to chuck it. So, you know, chicken will hang out a little bit longer. Chicken thighs and risotto and stuff like that you can hang on to a little bit. But yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Roger Randall, you got enough, man, you need some more wine, yo. I see some empty. I see some slots. I see some openings. <laughs> Actually, there's really not that many. <laughs> Everything below his his waist is em is is empty though. There's like, yeah, oh, no, see, nope. yeah. Oh. Okay. <laughs> That's a nice wine room, man. That is a nice wine room. Um, so aspirational Instagram, yep. right? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I guess Glenn asked a question. Um, this is the original painting behind me, Glenn. Um, this is the, the original Stanley Mass left bank. Um, hangs here in the tasting house. Uh, it's, uh, you know, one day, hopefully, all, all I want is when it's in a museum that it says, you know, on loan from the collection of Escaturi. That's my goal <laughs> with that thing. So. Sam, one of the funny things about last night was actually that there were people that were familiar with one or two of the places, but not with all of them. Right. That, that was surprising to me, uh, with the exception of maybe Lassiter, but everybody else kind of plays in the same pool a lot of the time. Yeah, you know, I mean, it also shows that people are um, – they love and it's that they were looking for – um, you know, that's the one that they stick with, which is, you know, why doing collaborative things like this. And, and, you know, one of the things that I've loved about hosting the podcast for as long as we have is, you know, you get to kind of go out of the, the comfort zone a little bit and, and, you know, talk to your neighbors and, and find out what other people are doing and, and how they're making it and, um, you know, what varieties they're playing with stuff like that. So it was, it was nice to see, that group of people yesterday, um, you know, all actually playing in the same sandbox because it's, you know, there, um, there's some, some big egos in that group. And, and I say that as lovingly as possible um, that, you know, they do things exactly the way they want to. And, and it doesn't necessarily include, um, you know, working together with everybody else because they don't have to. Um, so it was nice to you know, kind of branch out. And, and I think that's why it had the the sort of um, response and, and, you know, viewership that it did because, you know, they, you don't see those six wines together like that very often. Um, and I think when, you know, when people who love 16600 and Cayman and Repris, it's probably one that has some pretty, you know, a, a thread stronger than most see, you know, Stone Edge and, and Lassiter and, and BYs you know, kind of all in, in the same lineup, um, you know, it makes and, it and, worthwhile. Yeah, and, and Lassiter is new to the Moon Mountain thing, you know. Um, right. uh, they purchased that property uh, just a few years ago, and, and this is the first wine that they bottled off the property. Um, they had probably just so, bought that property in 17 would be my in guess. In 17, that's correct, yes. Yeah. Um, th that is correct. That was the first year we had the grapes from 17. Um, and, then, and then also, you know, Be Wise is, was very small and uh, really kind of unavailable unless you, you know, happen to go into the very unassuming tasting room in Kenwood. And, you right. know, and, and both Lassiter and Be Wise did very little to promote themselves, you know. I, 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 to, out in the general public so right. um, that's probably also a reason why you didn't you know don't see them together that's sonoma though right that's right. sonoma I mean, yeah. yeah that's why i, I think love that sonoma. that's 
there's a you know the wine world in general can get sort of some some stovepipe syndrome. I mean, one of the things that I stories I love about um, the Harry Karras Chateauneuf de Pop book was you know this was the first time that somebody went into Chateauneuf and interviewed every single winery and every single winemaker. And a lot of these people, you know, they've been neighbors, their families have been neighbors for 500 years and they don't talk to each other. So they'd be, you know, they would like, they'd start asking him questions like, Oh, what are, what are they doing over at solitude? Like, Oh, what did they say about barrels? You know? And, and um, you know, this is such a, a all consuming job and, and life and world that, you know, you get into, you get into your cave and you don't leave for, 20 generations you know yeah and, uh, and you know and i think in sonoma valley there was i think when it was much smaller it was it was much more a, a community and i just mean like in the winery people winery personnel hanging out together because there were less of us and we kind of and there were less places to hang out at so you just kind of came together you came to the same events and now the community is so big um we just don't know everybody as much as we used to um, uh, and that's part of it also. But I love that kind of stuff. Like when, like when I just randomly bring on a bottle of Las Haras Rosé for one of our shows and then, you know, Joel Burt will reach out to us and say, Hey, you guys, I live down the street. You guys are going to bring my wine on. Why don't you, why don't you bring me on to talk about it? <laughs> right. Right. And then we get to, you know, discover new, new stuff. Absolutely. From one of our neighbors that, you know, we probably had run into a few times that, at Sonoma Market or something, but didn't quite realize it. And, you know, hung out on a blanket next to him at, uh, you know, the farmer's market on a Tuesday night. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Randall, you, have you, have you alphabetized that whole, that whole, um, seller since we've been, since we've been doing the show here, it looks like you, you got a lot going on. Oh, I got a lot going on. I got it all on Solar Tracker. I got it all locked down. <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm doing the, my psalm duties because my wife came down looking for a glass of wine. So I had a uh, wait, wait a minute. Whoa, in her selection. whoa, whoa. Your psalm duties, that, that just sounds to me like you just are, you're regulating what she gets to drink. Like, no, honey, don't take, touch that one. You can have this one. No, 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 no. She chooses her bottles that she likes of her okay. of her wines and i served them to her and i did that Sorry, right now. i served my daughter a lovely riesling it was great very nice everybody's That's happy. next week's podcast is roger serving wine to all of us yeah <laughs> well tonight i'm drinking an 06 uh 16600 syrah that i finally opened oh and that's that's that? got the Oops. the old label right Old label, yeah. it's beautiful. I'm telling you, the old label that's beautiful now that it's not the label anymore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it's it, it looks like really it, it's a beautiful. It looks line, like an so. invitation to a New Year's Eve party in the '80s. <laughs> I was gonna say, Sam, yeah. tell us how you really feel about that label. <laughs> Good. The wine, uh, it's gone now, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. It's drink. It's almost all gone. Yeah, I, and that you know, that might be one of the last left on the er, on planet Earth. So, cheers, cheers. enjoy. Yeah, that's cheers. A, that's the first sixteen six hundred bottling from the Dos Limones Vineyard. Nice. So, yeah, that's a that's a cool one. 
The next so, bottle on the list is the 09 Syrah from Mr. Hintz. There you go. All right, shall we move on to the next wine? Oh, Let's Sam, you decanted? I decanted. You know, I'm Whoa. sitting here by myself in the tasting room, opened a bottle and poured the whole thing into decanter. Right. Friday. Oh, yeah. Oh, we got all yeah, sorts got of, decanters a lot of decanters going on today. People read the idea. email, you know? People pay attention. There you go. Even when you send it at, was it 10.38 or something? 10.30 the night before. <laughs> <laughs> mm. There's, <laughs> yeah, on brand. Stay on, on brand. brand. On brand. I was watching the last of the Lance Armstrong 30 for 30. Mm. And if any of you want to talk about that offline, I'd be happy to. Um, but God, he can be such a fucking asshole. It's unbelievable. But who's who's the bigger asshole, Michael Jordan or Lance Armstrong? If you've watched those documentaries oh, over oh, the last Lance Armstrong. And and listen, I I I was I, I was at the last minute going, no, he didn't do it. He didn't do it. You know, I, I was a huge Lance fan. But and and even then I used to go, God, he's such an asshole. Um but anyway, that's another conversation we can all have later. <laughs> all right, Bart, you're going to do the gopher runs in. You got to do your best uh, Bill Murray Caddyshack impression. Right. We'll go back to Lance Armstrong. Um, so, uh, you know, the gopher run, you know, and again, you guys, you guys are a, a, a great group. This is a, this is a great group to share these stories. You know, um, quite frankly, I'm, I've, as I've said before, I'm kind of running out of wine and um, we wanted to do a third uh, tasting. And so that's kind of where we're at with this is the 12 Shannon. Um, and, and, and trust me, it's not like we're, I, I hope you don't feel like we're shoving wine down your throat, but I think this was really fun to try that old Shannon. And I think this is a really great example. And I hope you guys will try this wine and, and remember it. And um when you, uh, if hopefully you'll pick some up in a few months when it's released and, and see how it's changed. Um, this wine has been in the bottle now for a year. It was, uh, it was this week last year that we bottled. Um, and it's changed immensely since then. It's changed a lot in just the last few months. Um, so uh, I believe it was the last tasting we did, the 16 Gopher Run. Um, I've, I've kind of lost track. We've done a number of these in different two of them. I think that's yeah. right, Bart. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, and Bart, um, the, I think you, you, I think you're coming at it from the wrong perspective. It's not number one, it's not an old Shannon. It's an aged Shannon. You're right. Number Brian. two, number two, I those are the kind of wines that I always want to have. I want to have the stuff that no one else has. No one, you don't have the twelve Shannon in stores. You don't have it being poured at a restaurant like. No one else is drinking it except the people that you see on the computer screen right You're now right. are the only You're people right. drinking it. And the You're same right. thing with the Zinfandel. They're the only ones drinking it. That's the kind of shit that I, that I always want. I always wanted the stuff that no one else could get. You're right. So and, and, I, and, think, and that, I think it's there, a cool it, thing. Yeah. And thank you, Brian. You're right. I, um, I, I, I'm a little bit out of line saying what I was saying. I mean, I'm the same way. It's like, that's why I love barrel tasting. Like, I can taste in the cellar all, I mean, in the winery all day long, but let's get into the cellar and let's taste some barrels um, and let's see yeah. what you're working on and try to relate to that. And, and that's oh. really the reason for doing the 17s in also is, is I think it's fun to taste it and 
um, and to see how it's evolved. And, and th- quite frankly, this is a great example of, of the different years. Um, uh, 2017 was, a, was an amazing year around here, as we've talked about many times, um, the fire, um, quite frankly. And then um, it was uh, Labor Day weekend was the heat spike, right, Sam? Yep. Um, and, and this wine, um, uh, young vines, uh, shallow soils, um, it took it hard, that, um, that heat spike. Um, but after the heat spike, there was a period of time where we got a little relief and, um, and the grapes got a chance to rest. And, um, and, and this wine kind of came back from that. I actually went through a little bit of a panic with this vineyard after that heat spike because I'd kind of seen the damage that had been done. And they went through and they dropped some of the raisining and some of the stuff that had gotten sunburned um, and went back a week later and all of a sudden felt better about the vineyard. Um, and, and it's hard because when you see those things and you see the grapes, you immediately start to kind of think about how is this going to affect what I'm going to do in the winery? Like, you know, maybe I'm not going to do a cold soak on this wine because I'm worried about some of the damaged fruit that inevitably is going to be there. Most of it's gone, but there's always a little bit. Um, uh, and then there's the pressures of it. You know, this ended up getting picked about a week before the fires. Um, and so um, the fermentation had just started to kick off. And then I got kicked out of the winery for two days, three days, I guess it was. Um, so you come back and then all of a sudden you're like, okay, first go around and check the people you work for all of their tanks. And then you check your tank last, or maybe you check your tank first and then you go around and check the people that pay you. Um, uh, and, and it was, a, it was amazing. It's like you popped the tank open and it was just this blast of CO2 and it was just all this ripe berry fruit. And you kind of go, Oh, we're in business here. This is, this is good because you, have, you guys have to understand, we as winemakers, um, we don't sleep if fermentations aren't going well. Um, if there's a problem in the winery, it, it, it affects everything. Um, and so to actually be able to not go in and look at something two or three times a day, which normally that is what gives you relief and gives you comfort, um, to go in and, and see that the wine is, is good and in a good space, um, it, it was very encouraging. So this is, this is a special wine um, because it's tasting so good. Um, but this is also a massive wine. Um, and I think it, it really has a really interesting aroma right now that's going through. Um, I, I, I want to call it what I would call briary. Um, you know, it's, um, it's not as much fruit based as much as it's almost like um, uh, it's like a combination of fruit and um, leaves or, or some sort of a vegetable. I, I don't know. There's a stemminess to it. And, and maybe that's a little bit of it is that this wine as the last there's black pepper. <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. Andrew obviously got a lot of black pepper out of it. Um, okay, I got to take a break because I've just been talking. Yeah, the, Robert French said baking spice, which I think is is great because you get there's a little bit of sweetness in it, but yeah. it's definitely it, it's herbal in a really good way. It's it's spiced. Um, you know, I think uh, decanting was a really good idea. Kind of, you know, it's still got some, you know, it's still got some edges to it, 
um, but you know, brings that, brings it along um, yeah. and, and opened it up a ton, um, yeah. you know, brought some of those, those, um, you know, brought some of the fruit out uh, on mine, you know, from the, the sort of back end of the, of the nose. Um, you know, it's got that great um, blackberry, um, which is my, you know, my favorite fruit flavor and aroma to get from Zinfandel's is blackberry, not, you know, nothing too plummy or jammy, but that, that really, that sort of tart blackberry thing going on. Good, Sam. Thanks. I, I, I also think that, um, part of the thing with what I'm at least feeling with some of the, the more recent wines that I've made is that since I've actually kind of been on my own, um, and, 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 and this goes back to when I was working for Lassiter's, um, but, but more when I was working for Kenwood and stuff, there, there, there are certain things that you do in your winemaking uh, journey that you do for other people and you think about how, what you would do when it's just your wine. Um, and, and since I've been actually making the wines 100% myself and being able to actually be in control and, and not have to have other people dictate when I do things, um, I've, I've taken a step back and I don't manipulate the wines as much. I don't rack them. I just, I stay out of them. I don't pull buns and taste them every week. Um, and I think a lot of that shows in the ageability of the wines and that when they're young, they really do need to, once they're bottled and open and, and poured, they need to open up. They need time to evolve. Um, and I, for me, I think that shows to the ageability of them, which is really what I want to do. I want the wines to be age-worthy because um, I've had a lot of Zins um, in, in, to be specific that after four or five years, as you say, uh, Sam, they've kind of fallen apart. And I think that's just because it's, it is a bit of a delicate grape variety. And I think um, too much, uh, messing with it too much, you, you take some of the life away from it. It's a delicate grape variety that people rarely treat delicately. Um, you know, and, and it, it, yeah, they always try and make it, um, you know, the, the Cabernetification of of Zinfandel is is it's great its downfall um you know when when you work it too hard new oak um you know really ripe but with with no structure to it um you know those wines are are hedonistic they're they're fun to drink for a minute um but you know you lose a sense of place you definitely lose uh, ageability, um, and you know, and what really was happened is we've we've lost Zinfandel drinkers because of it. You know, people yeah. have, have gravitated towards fresher, you know, brighter kind of flavors, um, which should be the wheelhouse for Zinfandel. But people are are so afraid to you know, kind of let it be itself um, that you end up, um, you know, where most zin ends up and and you know and it's it's a shame you know my favorite thing is when people come into the tasting room and say hey i don't like x variety i don't like syrah but it's it's almost you know more times than not the the variety that they identify as the variety that they don't like is zin and you know pour them zin that has you know stuff going on you know, like, like this one does, Bart, um, yeah. is definitely, um, you know, helps convince, uh, convince a lot of people. 
Yeah, and, and buttery think, chardonnay. Buttery chardonnay right. is, is over. I mean, it's still they're still selling a shit ton of it, but it's over. Right. Um, and then the other thing about this wine, I think that really adds the complexity that I'm, I look forward to seeing how it ages out in both the 16 and the 17 is that small amount of um, uh, Petite Syrah and Alcatra Pichet. Because um, that adds another layer. Um, it definitely helps with the color. I mean, this this wine is... Um, is not going to be lacking color for many, many years. So, and Andrew, um, uh, yes, this will be a, a wine club release here uh, sooner than later. Um, we'll, we'll we'll probably have a couple other things uh, before before that. But I know a guy who knows a guy, so you let me know. Uh, how much go for run? I need to. Uh, uh, we're. I think we did 125 cases of this. So he wants to know, know prices. He's asking prices. Oh, how much <laughs> prices? You know, today, today gonna... was a good day on the market. Kevin Burns is looking yeah. to buy some wine. Bart, <laughs> I'm has... going to say that publicly. I learned from Sam. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it is exactly how much you'll pay for it, Kevin. That's how much it costs. <laughs> what? Wait a minute, Contango, Kevin. Contango. Contango. <laughs> By the way, I'm working on a label for that too. Okay, you're Mitch, bringing the Contango up? back. <laughs> It, it was it was never here. We don't have to bring it back. Oh, right. It's not a comeback. It's not a comeback. It's a never never was right, there. Right. Right. <laughs> what was the uh, what was the recipe for this one, Brian? Ooh, I think we did some. Uh, it was uh, a dessert. Dessert. Yeah. Hang on. Mm. I got it. Cherry something. That sounds right. Um, chocolate cherry. Chocolate Ooh. cherry bars. Yeah. Yeah, this one, and this one's a good one. This is kind of a, because you can, it's, a, it's an easy one because you can start with an actual cake mix um, and then use a cherry pie filling uh, to, to finish it out. Yeah, that's, that sounds really good. Yeah. Yeah, people are, you know, Zin, Zin as the dessert of a, of a you know, wine, winemaker's dinner or stuff like that. People can get kind of carried away, um, but a little bit of chocolate, especially if it's a, a darker chocolate and, you know, some, some roasted cherry kind of flavors. Um, yeah, that would, that would. Uh, when I was at Benziger, we did a, a winemaker dinner in Chicago. It was Kathy Benziger, Chris Benziger, myself and Clayton. Um, and was there any dessert, tequila left in the entire city by the time you guys left? There was not. As a matter of fact, Jeff Bunchu came in town the week after us and um, everybody just thought he would drink like we drank. Um, and so he, <laughs> he quit scheduling sales trips. He made sure the Benzigers weren't there the week before. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so they made a dessert to go with the Zinfandel um, and it was like a Mexican uh, chocolate, but it had oh, yeah. uh, chipotle pepper in it. Mm. Um, and it was unbelievable that, you know, that pepper chocolate and then with the Zinfandel. So that, that's something to play around there with also. Right, yeah, that's, that's that sounds mean. really good. Yeah. All right. I like this. People are making friends in the comment section. I dig it. <laughs> North Carolina. We've had a lot of North Carolina represented in the, uh, these tastings. Um, shout out to, uh, to plant girl. Oh yeah. <laughs> Damn, uh, Bart. Um, 
what do you guys think about all this uh, sort of new world um, kind of uh, wine tasting virtually? You guys have talked a lot about it on the part podcast, and it's been really interesting to hear your thoughts about the evolution of wineries and wine tasting through this process. Can you guys comment a little bit on like what you guys have thought of the three virtual wine tastings, partnering with other wineries? You mentioned last night, you know, sort of the big uh, effort around uh, Moon Mountain and and that uh, within Sonoma. You know, what are you guys' thoughts on where that goes and and you know Bart's mentioned he sold out of wine so he you know he's hoping this uh, this is the future so yeah. uh, you know uh, <laughs> Sam you want to start you know um yeah sure it, it's um it's been it's been really interesting kind of watching this evolve uh in in real time and um you know and everybody sort of pivot and try and figure it all out in their own ways you know, all at once. And, and, you know, it seems like for some brands and, and some, you know, winery personalities that worked better than for others. Um, you know, I, I definitely think what it's shown and, and this is super important is that, you know, we can still all get together and we can still frankly, you know, sell wine and, and have wine tastings without having, you know, people have to get in an airplane, fly across the country, rent a car, you know, rent a house, um, you know, figure all those things out. And, you know, not to say that traveling and going on vacation isn't, isn't awesome. And an afternoon and, and take a virtual trip to, to Sonoma um, and, you know, never leave your house. And, you know, you, if you have Bixby and, and, and Brett George on there, you get all the views you can see all the sites and, and you never have to leave, you know? Um, and so I, I think, um, you know, we're always, you know, looking for new ways to, to reach customers in the wine business and, and certainly ways to reach new customers. Um, and, and so, so removing some of the barriers to having a wine tasting experience. Um, and if it, that means removing the, the travel piece of it, um, but still be able to, you know, talk to people, meet people, um, educate people a little bit about what we're doing and, and um, you know, have fun with wine in, in a new way and a new channel is, um, you know, I, I know, you know, we're not going to, we probably won't be doing it as often once the tasting room gets back up and running. Um, but I, you know, I think it's something that isn't going to go away and there'll still be, um, you know, virtual wine happenings, um, you know, long past this, uh, you know, this COVID era. Um, you know, I think this is something that's proven to be a really, really powerful um, way of, and, and almost, you know, the thing that I love about it, you know, when, when you guys come in and visit us, and I, you know, obviously we, we love that, but it's, it's the Bixby's one day, and then it's, and then it's, you know, um the the burns clan the next day and and you know maybe they'd pass like ships in a night um but now we're kind of bringing that community together in in this whole new way where all of a sudden you guys you know you know what the inside of each other's houses look like and you're <laughs> making friends and planning events in the in the comment section and you know that's that's you know obviously we want you here but um you know, that's the most powerful piece of this is that now the 16600 community, the, the Dane Sellers community, the Moon Mountain District 
community is is even more interconnected and interacting in a way that we never could have um you know except for those you know occasional big events and things like that so that's the part of it i think that's maybe the most the most compelling thanks sammy you're welcome thank you yeah Good question and and you know i i think it's really interesting i mean i i hope that all you guys can be out here you know this year for harvest um because again someone else can do the punch downs and i can just stand around and pontificate about the work you're drink doing. beer um and drink beer yes um and and so um i really hope that, that that happens but in the meantime or even after that you know when there's a new wine release um i, I see you know when we actually release this wine to the wine club um i see a virtual tasting going on for it um and and whether it's small groups of four or five people or you know a group of 20 or a thousand whatever it is um because I think it's a great way to share the wine and it's a great forum. Um, you know, myself, I've never had a place to really kind of host people. Some people have been here to the house um, and we've done tasting here. Um, and, you know, I'm happy to continue to do that. Uh, now I have a new location and, uh, and a new license that has uh, gonna allow me to have a little more connection with people. Um, and so, you know, I look forward to doing some tastings down at the winery, um, doing barrel tastings and having you guys come. Um, and, 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 but I think this is going to be part of it for me. I mean, I, if, if people want to do it and people have, uh, uh, groups in different parts of the country and they can't get out here because not everybody comes out every year, you know, there, there are people that we meet that, you know, they come out, it's their first time out and they may not be back for several years. And if this is a good experience and you guys love it, um, we want to be there to um, to enjoy it with you or have you, you know, enjoy it with us. So it's been awesome. This has been like the greatest connection um, to uh, people uh, during these times, quite frankly. I'm, I, I, you know, Sam said at one time when we were on, on the podcast, it's like, I'm a people person and I get energy. Sam said it and it, and it made me realize it the same thing i get energy from hanging out with people and having these conversations and there's nothing better than sharing my experiences and having you guys enjoy it um in in this so anyway thank you well and i would say the same as a as somebody who is afar and has spent a couple three times a year with each of you guys for several years not having been there in a year is physically painful to me when we see what you guys are going through and trying to, to hang out and support with you, you, what you do and what we believe in. Um, so what you have done to create this sort of experience and Kevin's laughing in his send nudes shirt and, uh, and uh, agreeing with me that it, it's special. Um, like Bart said, we're people, people, and I, I love drinking good wine, but I love drinking good wine with the two of you. Um, and uh, so thank you for doing this. And I hope it continues. Um, but if it doesn't, and we can get down there, you know, we're on the next plane. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 you know, this collaboration thing, I, I, I know a number of people who have done, done their, you know, individual tastings with groups and stuff. But this has been the best because it, it makes it a lot more comfortable uh, doing it, you know, with Sam. Um, having Brian there, John, when he's available. Um, it's, it's, it's more about us just kind of hanging out 
you know, and, and having a time together. It's less about a uh, selling. It's, it's about tasting the wine and just enjoying everybody's company. Um, and, you know, one of these days, if, you know, this keeps going, which I think it will, we will have a, you know, a virtual Sunday, um, a winemaker's virtual Sunday, um, you know, and, and we'll actually, you know, try to plan it where you guys all come out, you know, at the same time during harvest and have, you oh, know, winemaker's vinyl Sunday, winemaker's vinyl Sunday and work party. Ooh, right. Like, like come do punch free labor. It's our favorite word in the wine yes. business. You know, <laughs> pick grapes, even knowing that the crew will have to come in after and get the grapes that are missed. Right. But you know, pick grapes, crush fruit. So, I dig it. Yeah. Winemakers camp. Podcast Winemakers camp. camp. Yeah. 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 Take that, Jim Dwayne. <laughs> I'm on board. I'm there. You know that, Bart? I missed it by a week. That's Roger, right. you're so close. I yeah, missed your harvest so by close. a week. Hmm. Cheers, you guys. Cheers. Indentured servants. Thank yes, you. we like indentured service. We'll work for wine. We like free wine. Yeah, we'll work for wine. Yeah. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, I think Pay we're going to do it. We're gonna do a we're gonna do a small. If anyone's gonna be out here in the next month, we might do a a, a home bottling. Do do a a, a, a non bottling line bottling for Dane Sellers here in the next hand month. Offline, if anyone's around, hand bottling. Yeah. Fancy offline, send me a send me a date. I'll make right. it work. All right. Anybody have any questions? Someone should unmute Kevin Burns because I think he's. His head's going to explode. He's just dying to talk. <laughs> I have nothing to say. What do you mean? <laughs> Come on, Kevin. <laughs> join the uh, join the Dan Bixby and Kevin Burns t-shirt club. That's what you should do. There we right? go. <laughs> Where Robert, French, I, Robert French, you are close. I will let you know when that bottling is. Get some of those shirts tie-dyed, and then we could really be talking. Oh, <laughs> I got to order my new tie-dye. Oh, yeah, the new tie-dye. I got to get the new tie-dye and the masks up on the website. That's the goal for, for next week. Check Definitely. your keep, – keep an eye on the email. We got the uh, – you see Paul, face model Paul there in the, in the screen <laughs> modeling the new uh, – Dan's got his. The, uh, the 16600 white bark workwear uh, mask, so that's like an organic – hemp cotton blend made by my brother-in-law down in los angeles um and we, we made about we made i don't know i think i've given away a bunch but i think we have 50 or 60 of them so well i need oh. one to go my first day back at the bank sam yeah there you go that's <laughs> right advertising the bank i'm down yeah <laughs> all through corporate banking Exactly. Okay, good. <laughs> Here, here's another boring question for, for business question for Bart and Sam. Have you guys rethought your distribution strategy at all based on this? Like, you know, you think about like Bill Price's three sticks in Sonoma is all D to C um, versus any kind of distribution. Have you guys rethought that at all? Or you still feel like long term restaurants and some distribution makes sense? Yeah. You want to go, Bart? Or, um... Well, you know, so my experience with 
uh, I've never looked for a distributor or a broker. Um, I've always thought that when I did, it would be a place that I want to go on vacation to on a regular basis. So that way, uh, you know, you have a reason to go travel there. Um, uh, but quite honestly, um, you have a hard time, uh, at least myself, I would have a hard time finding a broker distributor look at me and, um, and I don't think they would do a very good job to be quite honest. Um, so I, I, I'm going to stay the way I have. And, um, once restaurants and wine shops want to start seeing us showing up on their front doorstep, I'm going to be going down with my sample bag and, um, tasting local, you know, San Francisco Bay area, um, you know, Northern California areas and just can continue to do direct to consumer. Um, I'd, I'd much rather sell to you guys directly than have some guy who, you know, is selling Sutter home in the morning than, you know, offhandedly selling my wine later. So um, that's, that's kind of my thought. Um, but I'm still small enough where I can continue to do that. You know, we have a lot of friends and people who have been on the podcast that this whole thing has been a struggle for them. You know, there's the wines that are now available that wouldn't have normally been. So, anyway. Yeah, I mean, the interesting thing about that is um, off-premise sales. So, you know, wine shop sales um, have still just been like crazy strong, and if not stronger than, than normal before. It looks like they're drinking margaritas in the George household there. You got the limes going. <laughs> Okay. But, you know, so we've had, we've done pretty good with like the wine shop part of the world. Although, you know, with our main distribution in, in New York, um, we do almost, you know, very little wine shop and it's almost all restaurants. So that part of our business has slowed way up. Um, coming out on the other side, you know, I think that, that it's going to take a little while for the restaurant sales side to, to really pick back up. Um, but I think, you know, what we're, we just, um, are working out right now, finalizing uh, a deal with Zaki's, uh, which is basically, you know, a, a distributor, except for they're going to distribute DTC. So, you know, I think that that part of it, um, you know, getting really creative with finding other outlets, um, you know, to get wine directly to people. So whether it's, you know, an off-premise, you know, kind of wine shop or, um, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, wine, you know, these different digital wine clubs and things like that. I think that's going to sort of fill in um, that piece that sort of fallen away from, you know, the, the restaurant sales side of it, which is, um, you know, I think going to, even when, you know, we just got the alert today that, uh, you know, restaurants can begin having dine-in customers again, um, you know, indoors in, in restaurants in Sonoma County, but you know, there's these restrictions and 50% capacity, 30% capacity, whatever it is. Um, it's still going to take a while for their wine sales, um, you know, to get back to, you know, the levels they were at, you know, in February. Um, so, you know, I, I don't see a big rush back to, you know, restaurant distribution, um, in, 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 you know, for a while. Glenn is asking about the Camus lawsuit. Glenn, you're talking about um, Camus suing to be able to open tasting rooms in Napa. And I haven't, 
I haven't heard much about that um, other than it's kind of working its way through. Um, you know, the funny thing is in Sonoma County, we can have tasting rooms open um, as long as there's a meal, like a full meal. So it, his lawsuit like was, that was his lawsuit. That was the premise that why does he have to have food to serve a glass of wine? Right. Um, and, you know, I, the thing for me, you know, it seems like it's safer to not have food. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I think that what they're trying to sort of prevent is the big kind of cattle called, you know, drink a lot kind of tasting room experience, which, you know, is unfortunate that that's what people think of when they think tasting rooms, because, you know, I think more and more the wine tasting experience that people are really looking for and coming here for um, is, is what, you know, we offer at 16600 and, and what a lot of people offer, which is sit down thorough, comparative, you know, there's probably, you know, some sort of uh, of food element, but, um, you know, it's about the wine and it's, and it's not about um, the party, the party, you know, it's still fun, but the, the, it's not, you know, that's not the venue for, a, you know, getting hammered. Um, I think that's, I think that's why, um, you know, the weirdness of the tasting room rules. And, you know, I, I see those starting to, we're starting to chip away. Um, you know, I think a big piece of it is, you know, health officers, um, you know, especially in Sonoma County where our health officer is, is brand new. Um, you know, they don't know how tasting rooms operate. That's not their job. Um, so I think a big piece of it is from our end, you know, trying to help educate some of these folks a little bit about, you know, about how wine tasting rooms work and operate and that there's a big range um between you know three deep at a bar with 100 people packed into you know some kind of big cavernous barn to you know sitting down you know with you know, spending an hour kind of really digging into it so um yeah it's it's it'll be interesting I, you know i think we're anywhere between two two weeks and a month to those things starting to change a little bit around here and you know probably that time frame before we would look to you know open back up to reservations at the tasting house here and i think I a little bit of the i think a little bit of the camus um lawsuit has to do with a little bit that in napa valley um they've really kept wineries from serving food and becoming restaurants and i understand some of that because you want uh, people right. going to restaurants um, and, and so then the, you know, the rule came out is that, you know, wineries could open if they had food, essentially making them restaurants. And so I think it's a little bit of a struggle to what were previous rules and, you know, maybe trying to set themselves up to do more later or, um, or prevent others from doing what they're doing. So I, it's right. just kind of a, an unthought about thought. Yeah. I, I mean, I think. In, as an outsider, one of the things that I look at is the difference between what the law was written for and what it's being applied to. Um, I mean, I, I would love to roll into Bart's house with a bachelorette party van, but that's not what the law was written to, to stop. It, it, what you guys do, um, and they're not prepared to differentiate between, and maybe the officer in Sonoma County needs to be aware of that, but what even Camus is a very different experience than what 
Repri does. And you're talking about a similar price point, but it's a completely different thing. Try and get a van up that mountain road. Right. Well, yeah, you, I've never, I've never been to. You trust me, you can get a bachelorette party up to Repri. <laughs> I've never been to Camus. I don't know what their tasting room is like. I just was curious to uh, what your thoughts were on the lawsuit. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of, you know, I, I, I think I think that's a little bit of the struggle is, you know, wineries, wineries aren't supposed to be restaurants. Um, but the trend is that, you know, you can go to a winery and essentially have a restaurant experience um, to the point of, and if Brian was here, he would tell the story, you know, to the point of that, People come and they're like, ah, you know what? We had a huge lunch at so-and-so winery and, um, and and they don't necessarily sit down at the hotel or the restaurant and have a full dinner or, you know, and again, or they've had so much wine being at so many wineries that, that they don't have a bottle of wine at, at the restaurant. And, you know, we, we want people to come and enjoy the wines at a few, you know, two or three wineries and then go out and have a great meal with their, you know, if they're traveling and, and, and hopefully have a bottle of wine or at least a couple of glasses of wine from somebody else, you know, try them all. Even another try continent. Yeah. yeah. I sort of like what Tony Mall's done with the food mm -hmm. truck and the outdoor seating. And he's kind of tried to adapt to all this as we've well, seen. Tony, you know, and yeah. Tony, Tony jumped on it, man. He, you know, he, yeah. he, he took barrels and he got, um uh umbrellas he, he got umbrellas and you know he set himself up to do it and um you know i don't know exactly how well it's going for him i imagine it's going good um but yeah he was on it he was on it for sure he and i can tell you this he worked very very hard to make sure that everybody know that he was out there open available for curbside and everything i i i, I applaud him for that i told him this it just was amazing how much he was working to keep people coming and keep people coming by his, his location. I want to have a virtual cornhole um, tournament. Oh yeah, definitely. We got to have a tournament with him. Yep, yeah. definitely. Barry. Bart, I'd love to be sitting right next to you on that deck tonight, drinking some really good wine. And yes, beautiful. Uh, thank you. Um, that. We'll, we'll do that when the bachelorette party comes up here yeah. uh, for that trip. <laughs> <laughs> but what we need to do is we need to be able to combine that deck with that cellar, Roger, and then we'd really could have a right, good party. Exactly. <laughs> I have a really good view, but it doesn't have a view of the valley. Mine has a view of the woods. <laughs> There's an yeah, air love right across the street from Bart's place that we've rented that would be really convenient for the bachelorette party. Right. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> I can't wait to come. I'm gonna be there for the bachelorette party too. <laughs> so okay, you know what? I have to tell this story then, just because it came up. And and I and I apologize if any of you are offended, um, especially in this day and age. But when I was probably 24, 25 years old, I was driving home. It was during harvest, driving home from Kenwood, and um, I get stuck behind this limo uh, driving, for those of you who have been here, through the Petaluma Gap going from Sonoma to Petaluma. And um, it was a Saturday afternoon. I'd gotten off early from harvest, probably, you know, 35 days in, hadn't had a day off. And this limo's driving in front of me, and it's driving slow, and there's arms out the window and whatnot. 
And the next oh. thing I know, the the um, the 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 sunroof was open, and there was a girl out there, and she just turned around and took her top off. And for seven and a half miles, these girls took their each one of them took their top off, and I drove behind them the whole way. Ending and that was quietly. my that is very <laughs> quietly, yes. Keeping looking down, paying attention to the road. So yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I had to share it, you know. I love it. It is true. We've all been welcome, seen welcome to wine country. country. And that, yeah, and that was before bachelorette parties came to Sonoma. Before I guess not. Went back to the Shannon. Hey Dan, we've got to go. We got to plan a trip where we're out there together. Okay. Let's do it, Roger. I'm in. You got I, it. Burns is in too. Burns is in. I know he's in. Brett George is in. I think the Winemakers Podcast Vinyl Sunday is a good idea. Yeah. I think it's a great idea. I think it's a great. Well, Knowing us, we'll plan it, and you'll know about seven and a half hours before it actually happens. But you know, stay ready. Stay I've got woke. I phone call from you before. Hold on. And I. Should. <laughs> I have access to a jet now, so let's let's do it. <laughs> Good, you can load some of that wine up from the cellar onto it, and you don't have to pay for baggage fees. <laughs> I repoed it. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> Flights are real cheap right now, Sam. Call the pick. When should we be there? All right. I don't know. Yeah, there we go, Brett. <laughs> Call the pick. Call the pick. That's not my deal. Come on. My job is to on. agree with the pick call that Jeff Baker and Phil Petrie. <laughs> That's my job. Oh, good idea, guys. Yeah, perfect. Sounds exactly. great. <laughs> I loved your dad's comment last night. I'm not a great teacher. Look at my kids. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's more about Matt than it is about Sam. Yeah, yeah I think you're right. <laughs> Sam's a great ambassador of the winery. Thanks, guys. <laughs> should we uh, should we cut the recording at some point here, Bart? Oh yes, absolutely. Here. <laughs> Probably oh, okay. before you tell <laughs> us, you just told. Dear Lord, <laughs> and if you stayed to the end, you get a special prize.